It's Amber Bradley, your host for the unscripted side of LP. It's Talk LP Podcast time. What's up, everybody? It's Talk LP Podcast time. I'm Amber Bradley, your host for the unscripted side of LP. And I think that's what we're going to get with our guest, Ben Dugan, Director, Organized Retail Crime and Corporate Investigations at CBS Health. What's up? What's up, Amber? <laughs> I should also mention president of the National Coalition of Law Enforcement, also known as CLEAR. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. So um, we're super stoked to have you. I mean, we are kind of delving into the ORC side of loss prevention. A lot of folks um, recently, John Mattis, a couple of others, like it's such a sexy topic. So tell us about kind of what you're what you've built a career really um, in expertise with ORC. And so I'd love to know kind of how that came about and, and what you're doing now for CBS and, and how that all ties together with uh, your experience. Yeah. Well, thanks, Amber. It's, it's a great question. And, and ORC certainly is at the forefront of everybody's mind these days for, for a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of one of the dinosaurs. I've been around a, a long time uh, and, and working on externally specifically for the last 20 years um, and really was involved at the onset of when we first started calling it ORC and, and what we were seeing. And we, we really didn't know a lot back then, right? We knew that there were organized crews that were targeting our businesses. Uh, we didn't know quite how to, to react to, to this kind of, of crime that we started identifying. We knew that law enforcement didn't have the resources uh, to dedicate to it, that it was going to fall on us, you know, a lot like the credit card industry, the insurance industry, that hire their own internal investigators that, that build and put these cases together and then present them to law enforcement so that they will accept it and then not see it as such a big lift, not a heavy that they had to dedicate six to eight months to, to a retail theft, you know. So we had a kind of, the burden fell to us to put those, put that information together, collect it on what this really was, that this was organized crime, um, that it was millions of dollars at stake, uh, that it was an ongoing threat, and it was growing. And with the introduction to the internet, you know, that, that growed exponentially when the internet got involved. So um, my, my entire career, I was in the military first in, in the criminal investigations division in the military police. Uh, and I got out and I was going to be a cop, you know, and then uh, I spent some time uh, working for Gene Smith, uh, one of my longtime mentors. And uh, he showed me this this whole other world, this whole other business of, of retail loss prevention. I got to sit through a couple of interviews and I said, that's what I want to do. You know, that's that's really what I'm interested in. So so I get into that and went through the, the traditional ORC path. I mean, I'm sorry, loss prevention path of district and regional. I spent some time in logistics. But this 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 entity, this ORC world was growing exponentially. Right. And it wasn't a lot of information about it, that it was that there was an opportunity for me uh, to get involved in something essentially at the ground floor and use some of the expertise that I had and apply it to this because I thought it was a great opportunity to make an impact, to do something new and to, to apply myself to, to doing something different. Uh, and then when we started learning more about it, you know, and, you know, how it is so real specific to product, right, and how the soft line ORC works essentially completely different than, than home improvement, let's say, or now even pharmacy, right, totally different types of ORC uh, all similar, but very, very different on where the product goes afterwards, right? And how you investigate each of these different entities and at what level, 
Uh, and then it really became interesting to me, right? Because I was in the pharmacy business. I was with Walgreens for 10 years in ORC before I came to CVS. Um, we really started seeing the impact and where this product was actually winding up, that it was the heavy duty criminal organizations. You know, it wasn't just one booster stealing it, selling it, for instance, online. It was connected to a hundred boosters, part of the same criminal organization, cleaning the product, repackaging the product, diverting the product. And yeah, of course, as the internet group, some of it was going there, right? So I was just really fascinated about how organized crime really infiltrated retail at every level and uh, and what we could do about it and, and trying to, to build solutions around how we could investigate these things off property, right? How we pick the right people, right? Because it's you know, we're retailers. We sell merchandise, right? We're not a police department, right? But we had to hire, hire guys with that knowledge that could go off property and safely conduct these investigations, gather the information that we needed, present it to law enforcement, present it to prosecutors, be expert witnesses, you know, be subject matter experts to testify, to convince the prosecutors that this was necessary. Um, and it became this whole other world. Right? It's a whole other industry within our industry is this organized retail crime world. And then as COVID came about, uh, it kind of put it, pushed it back to the forefront, right? Where, hey, decriminalization, bail reform, COVID, the courts are closed, the police aren't working, and the bad guys have exploited it, right? And they're taking advantage of this current situation that we're in. Uh, so it's been a challenge there, you know, fortunately, you know, we're having one of our best years in the middle of, of COVID, you know, case production wise and shrink wise on ORC traditional products. Because I think we deployed the right strategy at the right time amid COVID. But uh, but that's kind of how it played out for me. It's really interesting. And, you know, stepping into the talk LP hot seat, we don't play. Yeah. We don't play. So okay. I want to I want to ask you a couple things um, yep. because we'd like to advance the conversation here. And sure. you really hit on a couple things that is I haven't heard. And, you know, you go to like 10 million conferences over 20 years and you hear pretty much the same thing. But interesting what you said about ORC in different retail environments operates differently. And I think that that is really interesting. And then also I just did a podcast with the. Um, Assistant Director of the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, John Melvin, right? And yep. he talked about all of the different things that he's seeing investigative-wise that ORC truly being funneled, like literally back to Hezbollah, right? Terrorism, like epic. It's like you said, it's just such a, um, it's not just the booster that going to the flea market done, right? And I think- right. It's crazy because it seems like it's taken so long to get the attention of this. And then even, you know, John Melvin saying, these felony threshold limits is insane. These politicians are insane. They're not helping us as retailers. So I guess my, my long super question to you is, you know, when you think about those what I just described, which you're super well aware of, now you're just putting e-commerce into the mix. Like yep. it wasn't enough that we got Hezbollah going on. Now it's e-commerce. But but what do you say to the guy that says, look, we're just selling merchandise. Why do we got to get all up in tracing this all back? And can't shouldn't we just protect our four walls and our merchandise, our employees, our customers? And let the police and the federal people deal with all that. Like, what do you say to that guy? 
Um, well, this is unscripted talk LP, right? Let's do uh, it. It couldn't be more wrong. Um, couldn't be more wrong, in, in my opinion, right? And I, and I know I speak differently than some folks do. But but I'll be honest, right? It is an education piece. It, it, that is a challenge, 100%. I know the NRF did a survey that said 60% of the LP executives don't really understand uh, ORC, right? And that's because so much of what we need to do to be effective is done off property and away from the stores, right? So regional vice presidents, you know, uh, directors, they don't see all the work that goes into identifying these criminal organizations and dismantling them. And that's what's going to stop it, right? Um, you know, fighting, fighting the ORC fight at, at the lowest level is, is proving to be very, very difficult. And it's a tough road, right? You got all the obstacles at that low level. Right. It's decriminalization. Yeah. They're, they're becoming they're becoming actually less organized, but more violent. Right. Which is more concerning to us. Right. That's not that's not good news that they're becoming less organized. Right. Much easier to hit a stationary target than one that keeps evolving every day and doesn't have a lot of regard for for safety or for rules. So so that's changed a little bit. But the but the bottom line is um, and I understand the felony thresholds and I get all that. But that's not the way I operate my team. Right. Uh, we don't need any more laws as far as I'm concerned. We got plenty, right? I want to regulate e-commerce. Don't get me wrong. And I think we should talk a little bit about the, the Buy Safe America Coalition and the Inform Act and some things we need to do to help, help prevent that. But there are plenty of laws um, out there for conspiracy and interstate transportation of stolen goods and racketeering and money laundering and wire fraud and all the other things that we charge these criminal organizations with. But that's not done at the store level. Right. That is done at a much higher level. And the police are not going to do it. Right. They don't have the resources to do it. So it falls to the ORC team to have that knowledge. Right. That they understand what, what levels of evidence are necessary to move the case forward and present it to a federal prosecutor and say, this is the criminal organization that is targeting our business for not a couple thousand dollars. Right. For 50 or 60 million. Right. And that's why you see some of our cases that kind of in the stratosphere case number of wise. Right. And that's all very well backed up by financial records, shipping records and, and loss records. And, you know, those aren't imaginary numbers. Those are real, real shrink numbers. But you have to be able to present, put those cases together and present them. And the key to success in ORC has always been that you have to charge the boosters, the guy in the store stealing gets charged as a, in the same criminal conspiracy as the guy selling uh, and wiring money over to the Middle East. It's the same crime. It's the same criminal organization. And when you start hitting boosters for felony charges at that level, they go away, right? One thing that we, we like, we pride ourselves in, in, in the cases that we're doing is we don't see a lot of recidivism, right? When we put, we put our guys away, we don't see them again. Right. Because they're in federal prison for a long time. We can make a lot of money while they're sitting in, in federal prison. Right. We don't have the same guys over and over again. Now, at first, you know, they're going to keep coming back until they're arrested and charged appropriately. And those laws all still exist and they're all out there. But, you know, you have to be able to set the right strategy for your team to investigate at that right level to really make an impact. And at CBS, that's bearing out for us. You know, we're closing these big cases and we're seeing the financial benefits for us. You know, so, and all in the middle of COVID, which has not been easy. Yeah. So let me ask you this then. If you're if you're uh, an ORC guy or an LP guy that's responsible for ORC in a certain retail environment and you're saying, look, felony threshold limits, I'm handcuffed, can't do anything. This is ridiculous. 
Like if that's what you're saying, you're doing it wrong. Yes. Saying that you're, you know, our philosophy is we don't investigate one specific individual for anything. Right. Listen, we, we'd love to arrest as many people as we could. And I want felony thresholds lower. Don't get me wrong. Right. But ultimately that person's going to make bail on a, on a nonviolent property crime either way. Yeah. And in most cases we realize that a lot of the guys that we're after they're, while they're in jail, they're calling their fence and their fence is posting bail for them and they're getting, they're going to get out. Right. And, you know, if you can document your case correctly and aggregate some charges, uh, then you can hold them in those county jails a little bit longer. Um, but ultimately, nonviolent property crime, you're going to be looking at them getting released at some point. Right. They might get bounced around a jurisdiction to jurisdiction for a little while, but they're, you're going to see them again. When you charge them as part of a criminal conspiracy or a criminal organization, you yeah. know, you don't see them again. Yeah, it's interesting uh, I, because John Melvin, you know, and um, if you haven't heard that podcast, check it out. But he talks about the RICO Act being yep. like the solve for potentially these felony threshold limits. But you got to know what you're talking about, right? I mean, he, he kind of gives us tips and all that. But so, so you agree with that. I wanted to get a, a retailer's perspective to what he was saying. He's 100% right. That, that, that ultimately is the answer. And by the way, doesn't have to be Hezbollah. It doesn't have to be La Cosa Nostra, right? It doesn't have to be these fancy organized criminal organizations, right? You got a fence and four or five boosters and you have an ongoing criminal conspiracy. That's enough. That's enough to charge RICO. Now you got to get a prosecutor to do it, but there are state RICO charges. There are state conspiracy charges. You only need two people for a conspiracy, right? Yeah, uh, me and you. Not, it could be me and you. One hundred percent. That's not totally, un, you know, unreasonable. Um, but but you have, but you're right. You have to understand what you're investigating. What 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 rules of what, what evidence do you need to collect to present a case, a RICO case, you know, and convince the prosecutors on which way, and that's how you want to go, you know, yeah. and that's what you think you, you could apply. And you know, listen, I'm not a lawyer, right? I'm not a prosecutor, but I understand this crime, you know, and I can yeah. I can show the crime and what it involves because my team's going to collect the evidence because that's where we're headed, you know, because we know that's the solution. And listen, we, we file police reports. We try to arrest boosters. We do all those things that everybody else does. It's just that we, we, we investigate. Our strategy is to define a criminal enterprise, then we disrupt it, and then we dismantle it, right? And I'll take any of the three, right? Define everybody involved, then disrupt that organization, start arresting those boosters, charging them, violating their probation, interviewing them. You know, getting information from them on, on the criminal enterprise, and then the last step is to dismantle them. We've, we're just—I'm working a case today in Miami, and essentially everyone has this—you know—has dispersed, right? Everyone is has moved to the Middle East. You know, after we took down a few people in the organization, the rest of the criminal organization just scattered, you know, and left the country, right? That's a big, big win for us. I mean, they're gone. You know what I mean? Uh, and we'll be we'll be informed if they ever come back. But but I, that's a big win when you can dismantle an organization like that that was targeting you for tens of million dollars. Um, that's about as big as it gets, you know. And what I get most excited about, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, it's super cool. I mean, I think a lot of people cover it because it is super sexy. But I'm really glad that we're kind of getting to some details, right? So speaking of details, and a lot of people covering this. You know, most recently, right on the heels of 
the old WSJ. That's pretty big time. Wall Street Journal did an article, you know, talking about how CVS is super on the front lines of combating ORC, riding along with you and talking about some of these cases that you're closing. So give us a little insight in that. I mean, was that just crazy? I mean, being with this reporter, I mean, clearly you got to watch everything you say and do these reporters, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there goes my undercover career, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, well, it, it was, it was, it was a great experience and it was, um, it's part of a bigger media strategy uh, around what we're trying to do to regulate e-commerce and trying to raise some awareness on, on really what the numbers really look like when you talk about e-commerce and some of the platforms and, and their level of cooperation that we're getting. Um, and I was, I, I was really, um, uh, excited to do it. I was happy to do it. It, it was different, you know. Um, so, yeah, I had to watch what I said. And, uh, you know, it was kind of cool. And I hope I didn't get bleeped out too much. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, because we, we were actively looking at some things while they were with us. But but really what, I, what I'd really like to say about that was it really was a collaborative effort. My colleagues at Home Depot were a very big part of it. Obviously, Rila was the driving force behind it, Lisa LeBruno and her team over there. So it really, I mean, you know, yeah, the article was there and I'm, I'm, in, I'm in it, but, but it really, really was a, a collaborative effort, not only between just the companies, but within the companies, right? Our corporate communications teams had to be on board. Our corporate legal teams had to be on board, right? We had the you know, we had them talking to U.S. attorneys and, and detectives, and it was, a, it was really, you know, a big undertaking that, that involved a lot of people's hard work, a lot of hours, a lot of people that were behind the scenes. That name isn't in the article that should be. Um, it was really a, a team effort, and I hope it does what, it, what it's designed to do and raise awareness uh, to something that really is a growing, growing problem and, uh, and becoming more violent. You know, and and everybody being able to be their own entrepreneur now and sell product so easily, either locally on Facebook or yeah. you know, nationally with Amazon. Yeah, if you've got a mouse, you can set up a store. I mean, yep. it's, it's crazy. So yep. talk a little bit about that. I mean, it, it, in the e-commerce realm and kind of who you guys are experiencing partnership with and who you're ex not experiencing partnership with if you want to, but, you know, kind of talking about what, what you're seeing and raising this awareness on the e-commerce front. Sure, sure. I mean, eBay has been a, a great partner throughout the years, right? They continue to uh, aid retailers, ORC investigators, and help eliminate tens of million dollars in risk every year, right? They're terrific partners. Um, they're, they're kind of like, like the shining example. They are the shining example. Now, again, they've given access to, to retailers. They actively partner with us. Um, Amazon doesn't, right? They, they will not cooperate with us, right? They'll cooperate with a subpoena, you know, uh, for information, but uh, they won't cooperate directly with us uh, as a competitor. Right, which is what really what it's about, right? Um, so we have that success. We have closed, you know, a fifty million dollar e-commerce Amazon related to related to Amazon last year, and I'm going to close two more before the year's out. Yeah. So right. when so when you say not cooperating, right? That's kind of like saying, look, we know you're selling our stuff that's stolen online, right? In your shop, you've got sellers that are selling the stuff. And it's stolen for sure. Here's all the proof. And they're just like, talk to the hand. Exactly. Right. Their, 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 their basic position is have law enforcement send us a subpoena and we'll, 
will honor the subpoena, which obviously they don't have a choice. That's a judge telling them you're going to give us those records, right? Well, a lot but, of work on you guys' side that would be easier, like eBay did, which was, I think even Paul Jones was there established a yes, team to figure this out and then work together to shut these people down. And that is not what you're getting from Amazon. No, no, no. We're getting just the opposite. We're getting just the opposite. And, uh, you know, um, really, it's not really a heavy lift. They're really just asking them. They're already listing the names of their sellers and addresses of their sellers anyway. The only thing we're asking for is them to validate that and a couple of other pieces of information. So at least we know who we're dealing with, right? We're not asking for any secret real information. It's already really kind of out there, but it's not validated. So you could write anything there. And we've, and we've experienced that people do change. You know, when you're involved in criminal activity, you try to cover your tracks, you change your name, you change your account, you change your address. You use somebody else's address or in a lot of cases, you use the UPS store up the street as your address, right? Which um, is not really helpful when we're talking about something that we're trying to identify who's involved in stealing, you know, millions of dollars in product, right? And that's really who we're after. We're not looking to, to, to curb anybody's, you know, small business that's trying to sell their used dresses online, right? We're looking at people that are selling over a certain dollar amount, no certain number of transactions that we know before we even ask, before, before we would even approach Amazon, we already know are connected to a criminal enterprise, connected to the theft of our product. And then we found out that they're selling it here. And we're just trying to validate that we have to save us some investigative uh, heartburn, right? Just to make sure that we're, we're in the right place and we're focusing in the right place. Because again, we can't just go to the police and say, you know, we think this is what's going on. We need to prove it. We need to, to, to look, there's our Amazon sales. Here's what they're listing. Here's the product that we saw them steal yesterday and deliver it to this guy. And then it gets listed the same day, right? Clearly that's our product, you know, on there, right? Um, but we, we got to make sure that uh, that we're in the right place and we're investigating the right people. So, so, so what's, what's their stance on it? Is it just like, hey, look, guys, sorry, CVS, but this is like needle in the haystack situation. Is that what they're saying? Or they're just like, no. Eh. No, actually, um, it's really interesting. That's a great question. Um, their stance is, yeah, we believe you. You know, uh, they're pushing back saying, well, you can't prove it there. They say just the opposite. What they say is our, our legal department will not allow us to share that information with a retailer. We're, we, we get it. We understand it. We think you're right. You know, uh, but we're not going to share the information. With you. But Which, they won't do anything internally to investigate them either, though. Or they are. I don't know the inner workings of, of Amazon. So, you know, I've never heard of them conducting an internal investigation. Doesn't mean they're not doing it, but I've never heard of them investigating someone on suspicious activity like eBay will do. eBay will at least yeah. confront some of their people and say, hey, where are you sourcing that product from? You know, and work with us, even unbeknownst to us. Amazon, I mean, eBay will we'll take that kind of proactive stance. Um, Amazon, totally, totally the opposite. Right out there, they they think I think they believe this gives them a competitive edge over brick and mortar locations. Um, so, you know, I can't really talk to what they're doing internally, except they're pushing back on our on our request to regulate uh, the seller information. Well, let's get nuts. Let's invite Amazon onto the podcast to rebut ah. or refute or add a little light to what you're saying because it's interesting, and I'm sure they have a stance that might be I don't know a little different, but interesting yeah. and they have them on come on this is your invitation amazon come on and and figure out figure this out we're gonna all see hold hands and sing kumbaya at the end i don't know about that 
But so tell us about minus them and other platforms like them that don't help you as much as eBay does. Mm -hmm. You know, give us an update on the Inform Act and your your thoughts on it, where we are on it, and and how you know our people, our listeners, you know, first can get educated on it and then understand mm -hmm. kind of what they can do. Yeah, um, I, I'm gonna. I'm not quite sure where the bill itself. I know it's been, you know, it's we've had several uh, meetings, uh, mostly driven by Rila, obviously. Uh, but you know, we're we're part of the Buy Safe America Coalition, uh, and any retailer can can go on that website, the Buy Safe America uh, Coalition website, look at the information on it, and get. I encourage you to get involved. We've got, you know, every level of retailer on there. We've got product manufacturers getting involved. It is that products are being sold online as well. So a lot of uh, a lot of great activity around it, a lot of great awareness around it. Um, so I know it's been, you know, that legislative team, the government relations teams, from a lot of the retailers are in negotiations with, you know, both the Senate, you know, and the Congress, and and talking to the, the House. Uh, and you know, I'll let Rila answer, you know, where that process is. You know, I'll tell you, I've learned a lot this year uh, from my government. From my government boy, you get up there with the big boys, man. It, it's a it's a whole new game, right? But 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 our government relations people on both sides at, at CVS, Walgreens, Home Depot, I mean they're experts at that, right? And they do a great job of of you know when to when to apply a pressure and what to inform and what information we need to to kind of to to um, to try to engage uh, legislators to act, right? And yeah. to, to That's back the us hard on part, this. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but I think it was very well received, as I understand it. I have been involved with meetings directly with um, senators and 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 legislators about it, and they testified. They asked a lot of great questions, and so I think we're in a really, really great place than we were when we started this. I think everyone's kind of awareness is up there. We're hoping the Wall Street Journal article even pushes it further down the down the track. So, um, so invite Lisa LaBruna on; she'll give you a yes, complete uh, update. Absolutely. But, you know, it, but is, it, it is proceeding, and it is it is going to be introduced uh, shortly, very in a very near future. Well, it's good to know, you know, that the real is on top of that for sure. I know they have an outstanding um, segment yep. of their organization that does that. Um, so interesting, though, it, we were talking before about um, diverting, right? And so I know a little bit about this. I know. I know I you just do. Enough I money, know you do. Just enough. Uh, mind share to be dangerous. I wrote an article about it um, uh, in Lost Prevention Magazine so many years ago, but it is fascinating. And it's almost like a, a complex beehive of crazy activity. And I yep. found that it was fascinating um, because of the complexity, a lot of loss prevention people, um, not a lot, I don't know, but they're like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about all that, right? It's, it's where your buyers <laughs> internally, right, are looking for the best deal so they could potentially make a bonus on what they got going on. They may not even understand ORC, loss prevention, shrink. Yep. They're in there buying to get a great deal to make their financial incentives. And if there's a truckload of stolen Cheerios and they might not know about it, right, maybe that's a diverter that just came on the scene and then they scoop up that truckload, maybe knowing, not knowing that they're stolen. Interesting, super um, interesting, this whole diverting thing. And, and I know you're bringing it to the forefront because 
this is really all about, you boil it down, organizations buying their own stolen product back, yes? Yes, that's exactly exactly what it is. And uh, and I'm really super excited that we're going to be talking about that at Apex, you know, and uh, I'm really, it was a great opportunity for me. I appreciate your invitation and I'm really looking forward to that. But yeah. you're right, there, there's really, if you look at it, if you look, if you take a step back and you look at it, there's really two sides of, of large-scale ORC, right? There's the light side and then there's kind of the dark side, right? The light side is e-commerce. Everybody knows it's out there. The sellers are out there openly selling your stolen product. It's easy to see. Everyone knows it's a problem. Hey, that's what we need to investigate. But the real true loss, the, probably twice what e-commerce is, losses are, depending on your product. It's not for every product, but for certain products, specifically health and beauty aids and over-the-counter medicines and, and those sort of things, uh, the dark side is the diversion side, right? The product is stolen, it is cleaned, it is repackaged, and is reintroduced into legitimate commerce and national retail chains buy it. That is that is true. It does happen, right? It's happening. Uh, knowledge, un, not knowledge, unbeknownst to something, you're right, it, it is such a network of different things. And at CVS, we go way above and beyond to make sure we don't buy that. We don't, we're not buying product from anyone that we can't you know, uh, identify where they're sourcing it from, where they're getting it from. And I have regular meetings, monthly standing meetings with every product manufacturer there is, right? So I, you know, I have this crazy encyclopedic knowledge of all these wholesalers in my head that, you know, um, that I'm constantly bouncing all this, this information off of. So, so I, don't, I don't think a lot of people, you're right, I don't think a lot of people understand it or know it that it's out there, but it does exist. It is the driving force between these criminal organizations. It is where two thirds of, of that product goes, maybe a third of it goes online. Uh, and, um, and it's, and it's, and it's tough. It's tough to, to investigate. It's multi-tiered, it's multi-state. The product moves, you know, very quickly from coast to coast, you know, uh, and gets shipped uh, and then reintroduced. So it's um, unless you have that knowledge or, you know, you, you take the time to say, hey, I want to I want to make sure my company's not, you know, engaging in that or, or buying that or buying that yeah. product. Um, then, you know, and, and, and at Apex, I'm going to invite anybody there or, and, or anybody re here in this podcast if they want to if they want to get involved in, in some e-commerce investigations that work. I mean, some uh, diverter cases or e-commerce that we're currently working that, you know, we work with everybody and anybody and feel free to reach out for me and we can talk explicitly about certain wholesalers and certain types of product and how they flow across the country. Yeah. I'm curious too, when you think about educating your buyers, right? Because, and I studied this a long time ago, so I could be totally out of it at this point. So you have to correct me if I'm wrong, but when you're educating your buyers, right. And I talked to, I actually interviewed for this article that I wrote um, in the magazine interviewed some buyers at a, at a pretty major grocery store. And they said, look, we know the typical diverters that we buy from. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there's a guy that comes, you know, bursting on the scene, right. That you wonder kind of what's going on, but the incentive and the price is just so great. It's almost the, the old adage too good to be true probably is right. So Tell our audience, those people that are first, maybe they're like, what are you guys even talking about? <laughs> like, yeah. what, what is the first step for retailers out there to say, say uh, I don't know if we are buying our own right. stolen product back. What's the first step for them to identify that? 
I think you have to challenge, you know, who you're, who you're, who you're, who you're buying from and who, who's By talking to your buyers and kind of yeah. educating them. Yeah. And, and we've done that at CBS. We, we have educated our buyers on the types of products and the type of uh, organizations and, and, and you'd be surprised, right? Like you mentioned, Hey, this guy comes out of nowhere and has a truckload of Cheerios. Right. And that does happen. Right. And that's kind of the obvious ones. Right. You know, don't buy from someone you don't know. And, you know, and, and that's, you know, everybody taught us that when we were kids, you know, yeah. but, you know but, but the bottom line is, you know, some of the organizations that we're talking about are the biggest like grocery wholesalers. There are They're the, the biggest guys, the guys that we buy everything from light bulbs to paper plates from are involved in diversion. Right now, because and, and this I'm not saying this. Uh, kind of from rumor or this kind of has been out there forever since, since you wrote your article, our team does the work, right? We follow the product from a store that gets, gets hit to where they ship it, to who they sell it to, to where it goes then and when it gets cleaned. And we've, you know, we've followed truckloads of our stolen product delivered to another retailer's distribution center, right? Like this is proof beyond a reasonable doubt that this is stolen merchandise, right? In the past, it was always, yeah, it's going on. We don't know. Maybe, maybe not. That that's old thinking, right? You know, we put we set our sights to at CVS on the criminal organizations that are behind it and where they're selling their product and to who. Uh, and it's you know, like I said before, we didn't know anything back in the day. We know everything now, and we know everybody, right? Now we just got to gather the evidence we need to take them down. And so far, this year and a little bit of last year. We've started dismantling those organizations, right? Because because sooner or later, your suppliers are going to run out of that product. Because you know we're putting them out of business, you know, and everybody involved. So um, so I, I think you, you you take a hard look, you know, at um, at where you're sourcing your products, certain products from, uh, and you're not getting probably not getting the best of deals, right? You're getting probably a, a good deal, but the bad guys are making the most of the money, right? Cause they're yeah. getting it for, they're getting it for 25 to 30% of the retail value off the street. And they're selling it to you for 60 or 70%. Right. So you do the math on, you know, on all those items and, and the truckloads and pallets and merchandise that, uh, that get delivered. So, you know, I, I would say you start there, you start with who, who are we buying, who are we sourcing these types of products from specifically, not everything, right? Cause there are legitimate, some of those larger uh, wholesale operations have legitimate product. You know, it's not all stolen, right? But in certain product categories, it's mostly stolen, right? I mean, because, I mean, they don't, they're not going to buy in bulk at those prices from the product manufacturers. It's not available. And your buyers right? know that when they get that kind of deal. Yes. Yes. Well, it's so not always blaring. It's not, it's not always jumping off yeah. the page price-wise, right? Because they're greedy. They're criminals. Right. Yeah. So, you know, the price is going to be set where then they can make the most money because if they price it too low, then people start getting suspicious and saying, well, that looks, you know, our buyers are good people. They understand it. They're trying to, they're trying to do the best by the company and, and get us the best deal possible. I and mean, that's the American way, right? Buy low, sell high, you know, that's but, right. um, but in reality, most of them are pretty smart. And realize that that deal is probably too good to be true. Um, and, you know, during COVID, you could say, you know, stay the same for toilet paper and hand sanitizer. And right. it was just a madhouse. You know, when COVID yeah. first started, it was just uh, this maze of, of all these new wholesalers that came out of nowhere. So, so it's complex, but, you know, there's only a few big, big guys out there. 
and we know who they are, and we'll be willing to work with any retailer that wants to. Uh, to so, jump if you on board. want names from Ben Dugan, he will give you the names, right? I will. You got to contact him though. <laughs> okay, we have a couple minutes left. Yep. And we're going to invite you back on the podcast to give us updates on what's going on with all this craziness, if you don't mind. Not at all. And then also, um, maybe we have a podcast on diverting, right? That's maybe a takeoff of your Apex presentation so people can understand it. Maybe we get a couple other retails on to, retailers to talk about it. I think that'd be cool. But anyway, okay. So this is lightning round. Okay, you're in the lightning yep. round now. Okay. okay. Best career advice you ever received? Oh, gosh. Um, I think uh, to treat everybody with respect and dignity was probably the best advice I ever got. You know, uh, you can be, I was always been an aggressive investigator, just who I am, right? But it doesn't mean you have to treat people with disrespect or, and, and, and not the way you'd want to be treated. You know, I think sometimes we forget in loss prevention um, the, the ability we have to affect people's lives, you know? Oh. And some, yes. some, sometimes, we're, <laughs> sometimes we're talking to someone who made a horrible mistake and they did something wrong and I get it. And a lot of other times you're just trying to get somebody through a difficult situation, whether it's an, a clerk that just got a gun pointed in their face during an armed robbery or you're having a trouble with an employee or, hey, you know, I'm trying to get this done or this happened. And where, where can we where can we lend some support? And, you know, I, I've always been, like I said, an aggressive investigator and and. Real quick story. I don't want to bore you, but uh, I got a job for my for my daughter at, 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 a, at a retail that I was working at. And I was so afraid that, man, I, I took a lot of people out in that district. You know, I did a lot of internals and you know, I got this reputation and and uh, and I was really, really honored and humbled when she was telling me stories about all the people that came up to her and said how much that we had helped her. I'd, I'd helped them through this or your father's a great guy. And it was totally the opposite of what I thought was going to be happening. And that's something that somebody taught me a long time ago that you, and loss prevention, it doesn't always have to be negative, right? It doesn't always have to be, oh my God, he's here. Something must be wrong. Or, you know, I'm in trouble now, or, or, you know, we have a problem that, you know, we're in there every day. We're grinding it out in the fight against shrink, right? All of us are in our stores every day. And sometimes we miss opportunities to affect somebody's life in a positive way. And that could be a subordinate, you know, it could be a store manager, could be anybody that you encounter. And I've learned that treating people with respect uh, and how you want to be treated goes goes a really, really long way. And you can still be yourself. You can still be aggressive. You can still be bold. You can still do all those things, but you still can be humble and, and kind and treat people with respect. And I think uh, sometimes it get, that gets lost. Man, I knew I liked you. That's a <laughs> phenomenal answer because a lot of times, you know, we get lost in, you know, I've heard before people say, oh, we're taking out the trash. These people that are stealing. Yeah. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. God forbid you actually have on a hard time, right? I mean, yeah. and fall on hard times and maybe make a few bad decisions. Some might be like blowing me up that I'm a bleeding heart. But the fact is, though, it's just what you said, right? I mean, it's treating someone with respect that you have a lot of power when you're interviewing someone to change their life. You're changing their life. Respect it, right? Right. Yes. Damn. Right. Right. And, uh, and and listen, it goes for the customers too, right? Making sure our stores are safe for the customers and being in the pharmacy world, you never know, right? There's going to be somebody walking in that store that just found out they're sick or, or they just found out they're pregnant or, so, you know, and then one of these boosters comes in and runs them over on an out. You know, like I take that so seriously and I, and I, I want to make sure that 
you know, we're really trying to be, you know, putting the people on, on a path to better health and being, you know, being respectful and, and uh, treating everybody the way we want to be treated because we've all made mistakes. That's so true. Amen to that. Okay. Not to end on a downer, but worst <laughs> career advice you've ever received. Well, <laughs> um, I guess I, I was told not, not very long ago. Um, you know, the best thing to do in, in, in to get along in, in loss prevention and to get along in itself is not, not in my vocabulary, but exact quote, you know, put your head down and run with the herd. Like don't speak up. Don't have ideas. Just put your head down, run with everybody else. Go the, this is the way we've always done it. This is the way to do it. And if you try to do that, you're going to get a lot of pushback. That can't work. And, you know, this is what you do. And, and you know, just be an average and satisfactory. You'll get your raise. You'll get your bonus. You'll have a great career. And, you know, did they, that's did that. they know you when they told you this advice? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess, you know, and, uh, and, and so, you know, I took it and listen, I, I take it, I listen to everybody and some of the, some of the best advice I've ever gotten was from people who didn't, who, who were telling me similar things or didn't believe in what we were trying to do and trying to, to change, right? Because we've had a change. ORC is not, you know, it's not getting better. It's getting worse, right? And, uh, you know, one of the things I've always believed in is, you know, I, you know, don't, you don't need to convince anybody, just Hire the right people, have the right strategy, and execute your plan, and your results are going to speak for themselves. Eventually, everyone's going to buy into it because now they're seeing what the results were. So, you know, in ORC, ORC, we spend a lot of time off property where people don't see, right? So they don't really understand it. But when they see the results and their shrink results and these organizations that they don't see anymore, all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're, they're your best supporters. So, uh, so don't spend a lot of time playing defense, get out there and execute. I love that. Well, Ben Dugan, thank you so much. We're going to have you back to talk more about these super awesome issues and, and yeah, you know, really get the audience educated out there on stuff that, you know, I know I don't know about. So look, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Oh, one last thing. I just almost forgot clear. Yeah. You guys have a conference coming up. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's in Orlando, November 16th through the 18th. Awesome. Uh, right now, still a go. You know, we're working with Orange County. We're working with the hotel and taking the right precautions, but amazing agenda. We're hoping that you will join us. Yes, that I would will. Be, I would, I would, that would love be, to. Absolutely. That would be fantastic uh, if you could come out. That would be really uh, class us up a little bit if you'll join us. <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, cool. So put that on your calendar. Um, you guys have a website. People can get more information. Clearusa.org. Clearusa.org. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Okay. Now we're now we're wrapping up. Thank you so much, okay. Ben. We really appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. Anytime. Thanks. Like we do it.